0: There are two texts from the Bible that our sermon today is based. The first is in Psalm 34. A psalm of David. I will extol the Lord at all times. His praise will always be on my lips. My soul will boast in the Lord. Let the afflicted hear and rejoice. Glorify the Lord with me. Let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me. He delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant. Their faces are never covered with shame. This poor man called and the Lord heard him. He saved him out of all his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and he delivers them. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Fear the Lord, you his saints, for those who fear him lack nothing. The lions may grow weak and hungry, but those who seek the Lord lack no good thing. Come, my children, listen to me. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. Whoever of you loves life and desires to see many good days, keep your tongue from evil and your lips from speaking lies. Turn from evil and do good. Seek peace and pursue it. The eyes of the Lord are on the righteous, and His ears are attentive to their cry. The face of the Lord is against those who do evil, to cut off the memory of them from the earth. The righteous cry out, and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who who are crushed in spirit. A righteous man may have many troubles, but the Lord delivers him from them all. He protects all his bones. Not one of them will be broken. Evil will slay the wicked. The foes of the righteous will be condemned. The Lord redeems His servants. No one will be condemned who takes refuge in Him. And from the book of Romans, chapter 10, verses 13 through 17. The words of the Apostle Paul as he writes the church in Rome. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. How then can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one of whom they've not heard? And how can they hear without someone, without someone preaching to them? And how can they preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not all the Israelites accepted the good news. For Isaiah says, Lord, who has believed our message? Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. May God bless to our understanding the reading of this, his holy word. Amen. Well, credit needs to be given where credit is due. And. This sermon series and many of the ideas, not to mention the title from the series, comes from a book by Kenda Creasy-Dean, her book, Almost Christian, What the Faith of Our Teenagers is Telling the American Church. I wish I was brilliant enough to think up some of this stuff, but I'm not. So I'm so thankful for Kenda Dean and how she so thoughtfully articulates, uh, I think, what are some very important things for all churches to think about. A quick review. The faith of our young people today is, in general, very watered down, a very feel-good, theologically anemic type of faith. God, faith, prayer, self-sacrificial giving, um, it's just kind of negotiable now for teens. It's just not a big deal for them. Maybe kids are nice, but nice is not what makes someone a Christian. Uh, And far too many people are satisfied with respectable. But respectable doesn't save from hell, nor does it give real life. Most youth, we're finding, don't have a faith that's durable enough to get them into college, through college, and into their young adult years. Now, how did they turn out this way? Well... They've become what we've raised them and encouraged them to be. As Jamie preached last week, our kids mirror us in many ways, certainly in our faith. Now, that's not always the case. Many faithful Christian families, parents, see uh, the direction of a child as just a very different path than what was modeled for them. Um, and sometimes they say, how did he, how did she become like this? Why, why, why are they doing this? They, they weren't raised like this. We didn't bring this to them. Uh, and that's true. There are no automatics. Children take many different paths. Let me say to you what I said to the almost Christian class that we're having on Sunday mornings uh, when I taught last Sunday. Every person is unique and different. God is working with everybody differently, and uh, we have to be patient and respect those differences. Everyone's on a different timeline. There are many twists and turns that can move someone away from God, and many twists and turns that can bring someone to God. If your children, whether they're young now, whether they're grown and gone, uh, are not walking with God, don't seem to be near God, don't give up on them because God hasn't. Only the Holy Spirit can light the match. Uh, We're merely in, in these sermons, in our class, talking about doing all we can to provide the right conditions for that to happen and for them to know the Lord. And being honest with ourselves and saying, Are we that? Are we that? Maybe we've done some things right. Maybe there's some things that we regret. Can't go back and change the past. We can take care of the present, and we can think about the future and go from here. It's not easy, and we need the whole community to help us in this. What we're talking about is tending to the faith of our younger people as a way of reclaiming our own faith, okay? Now, what I want to talk about today is testimony. But that word has so much baggage to it, I'm not going to talk about it. Uh, For some people, testimony, when they hear that, it brings up images of speaking in front of a large group of people about the difference Jesus has made in your life. There's a place for that. When we have, on Sundays when we do, our God is real. And and we hear someone like Jackie this morning speak so meaningfully. uh, It encourages us. We're grateful for those who um, are willing to do this here. But some of us are highly uncomfortable doing anything like that. And uh, we, we're uncomfortable, scared stiff, just standing up in front of a small group of people. Some evangelical circles make sure that you have a testimony to authenticate your faith. And if you don't, you must not be a Christian. Uh, testimony is something we hear uh, in the LDS religion that you have to have. And sometimes it sounds a little canned, lacking authenticity. Testimony can have the connotation sometimes of being preachy or just full of religious cliches that we're just kind of spouting off. Sometimes the person testifying seems just absolutely certain about everything and uh, gives the impression that they have it all together. And we know, well, we don't. I don't have it all together. So where do I fit? But really, um, testimony means sharing your experience what you have heard, what you have seen of the Lord. It is merely speaking of a time when by the sheer force of God's grace, God's story and your story collided. It means putting words to our experience of God as incomplete as that may be sometimes. But given the baggage with the word, I'm not going to use it, okay? Instead, let's think about what it means to speak of our faith, or maybe to have a conversational faith. Uh, people who can talk about their faith in some way, um, and the impact that, and the place that Christ has in their lives, tend to be more devoted. Um, I find I always talk about things better that I know about, and that I feel strongly about, and that are important to me. I don't know about you, but that's the way it is with me. And every area of life has a particular language. Technology, you, you computer geeks, you have a certain language, don't you? Science, it's a certain language. When I was coaching basketball in my years living in Idaho, uh, the players on my team needed to know the language of the game. They needed to know what dribble and shoot and box out and fast break meant in order for them To play the game and for us to be on the same page. It was the only way they could get into the game, know the language. The Christian faith has a language. If we've not told the story of faith, or we've not learned the language, or we've not heard the language or the story of faith, there will be no faith. Without speaking about it, Christian faith just remains on mute. In Romans chapter 10, the apostle Paul asks, how will anyone call on the name of the Lord if they don't believe? And how will anyone believe unless they hear? And how, he says, is anyone going to hear unless someone preaches, proclaims, speaks the message to them? He says, faith comes from hearing. Faith comes from what is heard. You know, the story and the reality of Jesus Christ doesn't come by osmosis. Speaking of of our faith doesn't mean it has to be a sermon. As a matter of fact, most of the time it's not. It can be a conversation over coffee. It can be between a parent and a child in the kitchen. It can be just kind of an offhand discussion on the golf course or on the airplane. And Paul says, how can they preach unless they're sent? You may be the one who is sent your parent, your grandparent, aunt, uncle, we are indeed the ones who are sent to our children. We have a primary spiritual responsibility to tell our children the God story and to speak of faith with our kids. You know, words are vital to Christian faith. God uses words, and I'm glad He does. God sent prophets to be His voice to people over the centuries to speak his word. Uh, Jesus, one of the names of the titles of Jesus is the word of God. When the women were at the tomb, they were told, go from here and you tell, you tell it what you saw, what you heard. Uh, The Holy Spirit came upon the disciples at Pentecost to help them speak the word to proclaim the name of Jesus Christ. Psalm 34 that we read this morning, that Psalm of David the psalmist invites the praise of the Lord, and he says, the praise of the Lord, it's on my lips. And he invites others to magnify and praise God with him. And then he gives, he gives, he speaks of his faith, what the Lord has done for him, who God is, what he is like, what he does, where his story and where God's story collided. He even invites us in that psalm as children, he says, come, my children, listen to what I'm going to tell you as if he's a spiritual parent for us. You know, talk keeps things alive. You keep talking about it, and it'll keep alive. That's why we have talk shows. That's why we have media. That's why we have news. That's why people Twitter. That's why we have Facebook posts. It keeps things alive in people's minds. Once people start talking about something, it ceases to be important. Stop talking about Lady Gaga, and people will forget about her. In fact, is there anybody who'd like to help me try that? Could we please maybe put that into practice? There is a powerful and just a a very poignant scene in the movie The Help, which is about uh, black maids in the 1960s. Uh, Abilene is a black maid. She's kind of the main character in the movie. She cares for the young child of a very wealthy white family, a a, a family where the parents are just busy with work, busy with social engagements and keeping up with society. And Abilene is entrusted with all the cleaning, all the cooking, all the shopping, and taking care of this very little girl of that family. We get the impression that the little girl is just not on her mother's radar screen, and the mother doesn't even know what to do with this child. But Abilene Gives this girl plenty of attention. And she doesn't do it just because it's a job. She does it out of love for this little girl. One of the ways that Abilene, the maid, does this is by speaking affirming words of self-worth, a kind of mantra to this little girl over and over again. The girl is raised with it. And, 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 and Abilene, the maid, just holds her on her lap. And you see this scene? She holds her on her lap, and she looks her right in the eye, and she says, you is kind, you is smart, you is important. And then she has the little girl say it with her. She says, you say this with me. You are kind, you is smart, you is important. She does it consistently again and again. The parents may not make their daughter feel like she's loved, but boy, Abilene wants that girl to live in the story that she's valuable, that she belongs to somebody and that she's beautiful, and she does it by repeating those words. You is kind. You is smart. You is important. Sometimes we speak our faith best to our children or to a friend or to a neighbor, whoever. When they need to know that God loves them, or when everything in life is just wrong for them. If Christian faith is not talked about in our homes, it disappears from our awareness. If Jesus, the Holy Spirit, grace, sin, forgiveness, other essentials of Christian faith, if they don't get talked about, they soon uh, fade from teenagers and and others' awareness. It's just no longer meaningful to them. It doesn't mean that Christ is no longer present in someone's life, but it lessens their ability to recognize or acknowledge Him. Conversely, when it gets talked about, it gets picked up. Haven't we all had the experience of a a small child who just says something to us profound, blows our socks off or, or... and we said, where did, where did you learn to say that? Where did they get that? And you know where they got it? From us or some other older adult probably. I am a lover and listener of jazz music. And my children know the names and the sounds of Ella Fitzgerald and Billie Holiday and Miles Davis because they were raised in a home where they heard the music and those names were repeated. Now, they didn't have any choice about it. It wasn't forced on them. Jazz music may not be their favorite music, but they knew because they heard. It was part of the home environment. Faith comes from what is heard. When it comes to faith in Christ, we know that giving young people the opportunity to talk about faith in families and in congregations correlates positively with faith convictions that they can articulate, that they can think about critically, that they can confess on their own. And it's the same with all of us. You know, the more we talk about our faith, the more conversant we come, and the more convictions are formed in us. Sometimes it's just raising questions that we struggle with. Speaking of faith is not always certainty in having all the answers because nobody does. Healthy Christian homes, healthy Christian environments not only teach and instruct, but they give room to examine and to question. Fully Christian homes will speak of thanksgiving in times of good and prosperity. They will. But they also give voice to questions in in hard times. When the grandparent dies, when a job is lost, when health fails, or in some kind of tragedy. We have to speak the faith even when not all is well. In her book, When Spiritual But Religious Is Not Enough, a pastor, Lillian Daniel, pastors of a congregation in Illinois writes about speaking our faith when the hard questions come. Now, what Daniel writes is so poignant that, that, that I want you to be able to read it as uh, this excerpt as, as I read it for you. She says, instead of thinking that a debate is about to ensue, you realize that you have been called upon not for your answer, not for your argument, but for your testimony. Many quietly faithful people struggle with testimony. We don't want to shove our faith down people's throats. We don't want to be pushy, obnoxious, or self-righteous. But sometimes people, and that may be our children, our sons and daughters, sometimes people put us on the spot, put us on the witness stand, and ask for our testimony. Testimony is calling out that you have seen light in the midst of darkness. Testimony is telling the story about how you meet God, even when you have forgotten it. Testimony is telling the story of a community over time, of a particular people, and how God has intervened. It may not be eloquent. Some of the best testimonies are stumbling words choked out of the same sorrow that the non-believer stands drowning in. But at least the believer can say, Yes, in the midst of this tragedy, I believe there's more than all of this. How can they call on the Lord if they don't believe in him? How can they believe in him if they don't hear? How can they hear if no one speaks, preaches, proclaims it? Now our stories are going to be full of victory and they're going to be full of failure. They're going to be full of faith and they're going to be full of some doubt. And they're going to be full of times when it's all good and times when it just didn't work out. But they will always be full of the praise of the Lord and God's mercy and God's love. Dorothy Day, the founder of the Catholic Worker Movement, said, if I have achieved anything in my life, It is because I have not been embarrassed to talk about God. We may not be the most eloquent when it comes to speaking our faith. We may feel somewhat inadequate. We may feel at times, many times fearful. But those who've gone all the way with Christ, they are not embarrassed to talk about Him. We talk about who we love. We talk about those things, those people that are at the center of our lives. We're not ashamed to talk about them, are we? And let me be clear, being fully Christian, it's not about, it's not about having some, some certain beliefs or certain faith principles. It is about coming to know and love the Lord Jesus Christ. It is about having Him in our hearts. He is our aim. He is the one we bow down before. He is the one we worship. He is the center of our lives. He's the one who makes us Christian. Prayer, the Bible, church, whatever service we might give, doesn't matter if we don't know Him. We are fully Christian when we're fully in relationship with Him. And we have good news to speak. Good news about a God who loves us too much to lose us. A story of how he gave it all up to come and to be with us and like us in Jesus. And how he died for our rebellion on that cross. And how he stripped power and emptied it of its death through his resurrection. It is a story we have to speak of a personal God who wants to be in relationship with us. And who wants people to know peace from being in relationship with the creator of the world. A story that isn't about guilt but it's about forgiveness. A story of a God who lives in us through his Spirit and who calls us his children. And it's a faith and it's a story that's worth speaking. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help us to be conversational in our Christianity. And we need you to help us because on our own we can't adequately do this. Thank you for those who have spoken the faith with us. Most of all, may we be full and true and sold out to you. Jesus. Amen.